0: I am Blaise Bailey. You are experiencing probably the best show in the world, Puppets Corner.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Poppets Corner. Thoroughly excited, always, to be doing these. And it's been a while since we've done a one-on-one kind of conversation. But I'd like to bring on the guitarist himself and the main man of the Fae, and of course, the guitar player of Manticore Ritual, the one and only Mr. Jeff Potts. Jeff, how you doing, man? Thanks again for coming on the show and hanging. I really appreciate it. How you been? Yeah,
0: doing great. Thanks for having me, man.
1: It's been, been too That's long. Good. How you been, dude?
0: Been good. I've been busy. Um, and loving it. Like, I moved to Seattle two years ago, so I'm still learning this place. It's been really fun.
1: Now, have you ventured out to the show territory? What is kind of the scene? Uh, how is the scene different out there compared to here, stylistically-wise?
0: I don't go to a lot of shows, but the, like, kind of proto-metal, traditional metal stuff is, like, huge up here. Like people who use the word true a lot, like we said Poser when we were thrash kids. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of that. Uh, Black Metal seems to be pretty good, like pretty decently well-regarded up here. Um, Yeah, I've run into a lot of thrash bands. I'm just kind of digging into it. I'm booking this tour right now, so I'm hitting up all the bands. Um, Of course it's the Northwest and Doom is like fucking everywhere. There's a lot of good doom bands. There's a lot of shitty doom bands. There's a lot of both.
1: (laughs) Heck yeah. man! well, like I said, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Let's, let's start with, um, the non-obvious. I I would like to start off with what, what I would consider one of my favorite records this year, to be honest with you. Now, uh, it's, it's obviously the Faye books with maps. Um, I'm not too sure if this is like a volume series or if this is just like a one and done kind of concept album. So if you can kind of explain just the overall concept to this specific record and and why make almost like, I would call it rainbow meets queen kind of record nowadays. And and it's obviously what we described, uh, what you described last time as power metal. So can you give me kind of just the backstory behind this specific record? Okay.
0: Um, this record, I don't know, I always liked power metal and wanted to make a power metal record, but I never did. Um, I spent years playing other kinds of stuff. So it's something I always wanted to get around to. And I found myself in a time when I had quit Gygax. I quit and got fired from Gygax at the same time. (laughs) And Um... I don't know I wanted to do another project my friend convinced me I should do something of my own music and I was like yeah it is about time that I write a record and I was like oh it's gonna be fantasy metal but I kept thinking like what do I have to contribute to this genre and what I have is what I find to be pretty rare among fantasy metal fans and that's that I like fucking rock and roll and (laughs) I spent years playing thrash so like I don't know i was going and watching all these melodic metal bands and none of them like bring it live i'm like i can see why this kind of falls flat for a lot of people so i started thinking i want to make like the rory gallagher rock and roll power metal record <laughs> so yeah it's just me throwing in all my it's also all the stuff that no one in other the bands i played in wanted to do long weird songs that go places and change and i don't know
1: right, but, what, and, but when you're when you're mentioning power metal t- today's version of power metal isn't what it was like in I the guess, 70s
0: like, power metal i mean i'm old as fuck so i'm talking about power metal like 20 fucking years ago in like what seemed to me to be this golden age which guess what i was like 17 whenever you're 17 is your golden age of music and for me that was you know these bands blind guardian Rhapsody, symphony x the first dream evil record uh, one specific Darkmoor record. I got into this melodic virtuoso guitar stuff and found Yngwie and found the early Halloween, Yammery, whatever. I really liked all that stuff for a long time. I'm kind of over it now because, like, I don't know. The, the new stuff doesn't always do it for me and or, like, I probably just burned myself out on it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I wanted to come back to the idea of fantasy metal with, like, kind of where I'm at now. Instead of making something that sounds like Rhapsody and something, you know what I mean?
1: Well, not even that, but your definition of power metal, like I said, going back to like Queen Two meets, I would say, Rainbow Rising. Right.
0: This is like, to me, that was like kind of my thing is like, I spent a lot of time listening to music and was like, this stuff goes back way further than that. Early Scorps Records, you know, Deep Purple was doing this stuff, Rainbow was definitely doing it. Queen was definitely doing it. Early rush. Like, look, fantasy metal that's bombastic and dynamic and heavy as fuck and epic and has nerdy themes and, like, references, literature. and Like, this isn't new. They didn't invent this in, like, the 80s, 90s, 2000s and today. So, I don't know. I really have always liked that stuff. And rock and roll was my first love. I, like, accidentally got into thrash. I didn't grow up listening to thrash at all. When I joined Meltdown, I literally said, what's thrash? And, like... I remember being at their jam space and they said, well, we do a couple covers off kill em all. And I said, what's kill em all. And I watched Dan and Adam slowly look over at Ben with this look that just said, where the fuck did you get this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking so I, of I came back the next practice and was like, yeah, I learned all the solos to jump in the fire. It's all Zep two licks, man.
1: <laughs> like, well, obviously you're the perfect kind of lead player with your influences because they're so different than, than what Mantic stylistically wise does. So I'm generally curious for, for, for you in, you know, how do you still balance your love for playing with Mantic, you know, now that you have the fate how do you balance the, the overall just, I guess, love just to play with, Mantic ritual is it just the love to play with Dan and and Ben and, and Carlos is it just the excuse to oh, play with yeah. them or is it is it like generally you like playing thrash metal and obviously rock and I would oh, almost yeah. call it fantasy rock
0: I love playing with thrash stuff too like it's so much fun I don't know it's a blast writing over it. and like I'm more of just the guitar player of that band like Dan's really running the show for me I'm just making music with him we can probably talk about that later but yeah, um, playing with Mantic's a blast. Like hanging out with those guys again is so much fun. Just coming up with parts with Dan is
1: really cool. So, so okay. Okay. That, that kind of answers my question and whatnot. So, you know, do you see yourself, your main focus as the Faye? Or are you, like, again, how are you going to balance it when touring comes and, and all that fun stuff?
0: Um, Mantic's not really going to tour we're not really interested in doing that. We want to play a couple shows for sure. Like we want to do it and we've had a few fall through. Um, but like it's neither of them are busy enough that it matters really. Like the phase, like my project and my baby. So I like kind of give it precedence. Like, in fact I am right now Dan's like, yo, let's get together and iron out the pre-production for the full length. And I'm like, I am releasing the Faye record by myself right now and booking the Faye tour by myself right now. And like Mantic has to wait till mid-October. So right now it's taking precedence, but only for a couple of months. And like,
1: and and obviously they're generally supportive of this, right? Because I know a lot of guys kind of get kind of jealous when it comes to other members releasing stuff. And it's weird. It's a weird dynamic that bands have. I, I never understood it, but... It, it's nice to see that kind of support is, is my point.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're all just like, cool. You're making music. Sweet. Like Yeah.
1: Do you see the like fake?
0: At, we don't play. We're not like living in a van together anymore. You know, we're just like dudes with a lot of hilarious inside, stupid jokes.
1: <laughs> well, do you see the fake almost becoming a van kind of band and touring throughout the States? Just, nonstop? Or is this just like, you know, we're going to do a couple shows weekend can fly ins and, and, you know, if you got yeah. offered like a Bakken gig or something, you take it or.
0: And go for the fay is to play sweet music with people I like and like whatever form that takes. We're doing like an eight day tour in September, October. It's going to be really fun. Just like Pacific Northwest shoot down, do some stuff in SoCal.
1: Like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you there. But you know, good. so,
0: yeah. <laughs> so. I was um, already booked. But like I what I want to get out of it, my goal for a music career is simple. I want to go fuck around in Europe with my best friends for two weeks for free every summer. (laughs) Like and play music and travel and have a blast. And like I would love to do that once a year in the summer, occasionally record a record, get to be creative.
1: And why re- release a record just right out of the gate for the Fae? And, and my where I'm going with this is, because you didn't approach that, obviously, with with Mantic, you know, coming back into the fold.
0: Yeah. We were in two different places when these things started. The Faye record, the cons- the conception of this record is, like, completely stupid. And, like, so I had quit slash got kicked out of Gygax. And hanging out with Nico, one of my best friends in the world, amazing bassist, amazing everything player, amazing engineer, killer dude. And he was like, let's go make some of your music. I know a studio in Argentina that I go to, I play with my friends down there once a year. There's a drummer who's been begging me to do a heavy project, and I don't know anyone else who plays that stuff. And the studio is like $200 American a day, and it's really nice. And I was like, what? (laughs) So flew down, rehearsed for a week, recorded for a week. Uh, We had plans for a singer. It fell through. We spent six months looking for another singer. We found one. They fucked around for six months and didn't get the work done. We decided to get another one. Blah, blah, blah. Almost three years passed. (laughs) Because what I had planned was like, I'm going to get a pro-ass singer. I'm going to get a dope-ass rhythm section. I'm going to write some cool music and we're going to bring back to power metal what it needs, which is that imaginations from the other side, ballsy fucking thrash energy and like some rock and roll and like, you know, Zeppelin fantasy is cooler than Dragon Force fantasy. So we're going to bring that back and like, let's go. And then couldn't find a singer, couldn't find a singer, couldn't find a singer, couldn't find a singer. And during this time, my whole conception of what I wanted the band to be changed. I don't want to dominate a fucking genre. Like, who the fuck cares? I want to play cool music that I actually like with people that I like. And, you know. So, vocally, yeah.
1: <laughs> so vocally speaking, I got to ask you this, because I was very kind of taken back. I'm like, oh, man, Jeff's fucking killing it on the vocals. You know, I'm oh, just yeah. of, I'm kind of curious. <laughs>
0: Because we couldn't find a singer. And again, I was hanging out with Nico, feeling sorry for myself. Like, why can't I get this record out? And he was like, you should sing it. And I'm like, fuck no. And he's like, go do some takes right now. And we did. And they were fucking terrible. And I had my voice blown out by the end of one song. And I was like, see? And he's like, you teach music lessons for a living. It's learning an instrument. You know how to practice an instrument. Go home and practice. Come back in six months. And I came back in six months and sang the record.
1: So who were you kind of, trying to emulate, starting out of the gate, singing for the first time during this specific session. Because all of us singers and guitar players, we all like to emulate somebody at, st- at the start because you don't know, you don't f- have your own voice just yet. I don't know if
0: I even had one specific. Like, I've been geeking out over singers I liked and performances I liked for my whole life. Like, I'm turning 37 in a couple of days. I've been listening to music for a long-ass time at this point. And I'm sure any like 50-year-old watching this is going to be like, whatever. But like I don't know. I've listened to a lot of music. I've fallen in love with a lot of music. So I was just practicing all kinds of shit.
1: Your, uh, your voice has a distinct Aussie-esque kind of sound to it, I would say. I would almost call it was called an Aussie flair to it. Yeah. I, I don't know if if anybody's told you that yet, but it sounds like, again, it'd be like Queen meets Rainbow if Aussie were singing over it. Oh, cool. <laughs> It's like, it's like the best, you know, best compare, you know, kind of comparison yeah. I can make. Exactly. So I don't know.
0: I was just trying to like, I was doing what every singer does on their first time singing, which is pushing way too fucking hard. <laughs> I just like, I just listen to that record. I'm like, oh my God, dude, relax. <laughs> every so- line is Bleh! and it's like, cause I played heavy metal for too long and I had to learn how to just pull back.
1: So how does Ben come into the fold here Just to even play his piano I didn't even know Again, I mean, didn't even know Ben was that kind of a musician That he could just fucking wail on, on on the piano, you know
0: Yeah, Ben's a real-ass musician, man I mean, we met at music school We like, you know, were slamming beer And listening to Yngwie the whole time But we were kicking ass On the like. we really wanted to learn that stuff So You know, I don't know, Ben's still one of my best buds, so I needed someone, like, I actually learned to play piano over the course of this record. I picked it up, like, a year before the pandemic, thinking, like, I might go back and finish my degree that I quit to go be in Meltdown. (laughs) Like, like, you know, 15 years ago, I really did like going to school. Maybe I should do that. Well, I want to get comfortable on the piano before I go back, and, like, there's a few harmony things that I didn't take my senior year because I quit to move to LA with Meltdown, but, like, but if I had that, I would write way cooler vocal harmonies. And I'm, I'm hitting a limit here. So I went into this teacher and was like, "Teach me harmony and stuff, um, and just get me comfortable on the piano." And I kind of fell in love with it. And then a year later, the pandemic hit, and I had nothing to fucking do except practice. So I'm really into it. So I could play most of the stuff, but I wanted like a killer, flashy intro, and I was like, I don't have those kind of chops on this instrument yet, like at all. But I knew Ben did. I was like, Ben, you love to just like fly the fuck up and down arpeggios as fast
1: as you can. (laughs) Let's go. So for, let me, let me ask you this. You know, what areas of input do you now possess with the Fae that you, that you don't have with Mantic or vice versa?
0: Um mantic is like overall dan's project like dan's kind of the vision like you need one guy to be like the buck stops here decision maker you know this um so dan's that for mantic case in point uh the ep that just came out when we did those first two tunes like black funeral and crusader when i heard the mix i tried for like weeks to get dan to take it somewhere else to mix it and he was like no me and my friend did this this is exactly what i wanted i was like what and like you know what time has passed and now i really like the mix and i think it's unique and i think it sounds like us and it's cool so that's why mandic ritual is dan's band (laughs) um i'm just that for the Faye. like i want everyone to have input but this album i wrote the whole fucking thing before i even knew who would play on it which is why i'm really just over it and want to like move on and like now i know that i have like two South American dudes who are buds going back years playing all kinds of genres of music together. Like that's my rhythm section. I'm going to write way fucking cooler music from now on. <laughs> it like, what I'm playing here is like, you know, your standard wax Sabbath beats and shit. Like I was writing. So.
1: So do you see this being like a trilogy in, in the fave books with maps? Is this, or is this oh, just yeah. some kind of a one? Yes. Okay.
0: I want to make it a trilogy.
1: Oh, I already have
0: for what I want the other ones to be. Um, this record is a little cobbled together, so like I think of side A as like the story, side B is like and other tales. <laughs> I should have called it Books with Maps, Volume One: A Midsummer Night and Other Tales. Fuck, that would have been great. I'm trying to be as like over the top with all of that like pretentious silliness as possible. <laughs> Like there's all over it. There's classical references hidden all through there. There's fucking Latin. Like, I don't know. I always loved that stuff. When I was 16, 17 and found out the bands I liked were like hiding deep meanings and old knowledge in their music. I thought that was the coolest shit ever. So now I think it's like kind of goofy and funny and I just go hog wild with it.
1: Now besides your own, you know your yourself here and and wanting to play the music and whatnot what kind of fan do you think would would be into the fae you know what what is if you take yourself out of it what kind of band is the fae what kind of fan does the fae pertain to
0: I think I'm going to find out in a couple of weeks because I'm like I feel like I'm alienating everyone <laughs> like you hear fairy rock and you're like okay like you know, like doom fans could get into that riff, but then it gets pretty fucking proggy, so I don't know if they would like that. But, but you know, they could people who like heavy '70s rock would probably be like, cool. But then by the time you get to Severian, it's like, all right, like thrash fans, and it's kind of neo-classical, I think, and pretty proggy again. Then there's a fucking German opera song. Then there's a Queen cover. Then there's, like, kind of a mid-tempo headbanger, like, epic tavern rock fucking song. <laughs> so it's, like, I, I don't know. I was all over the place when I wrote this record. That first side is what I want to pursue more of, like, fairy rock into Avalon, which is this, like, kind of beautiful 60s Melitrani prog land into just, like, more rock and roll. <laughs> you know, no, no. cool acoustic intro. So, I don't know. I think I don't know. I want it to be psychedelic. I want it to be musically intricate and interesting. I want way more improvisation to be in the live show and like bring that back into the fold, but also have that super intricate technical shit. So, I don't fucking know. Who do you think will like it? You tell me.
1: <laughs> Honestly, is that is that an honest question there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I I think fans, like I said, like I mentioned before, if you're a fan, of, I would almost say Scorpions, you know, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Old Queen. I mean, like the first like three records up to like Sheer Heart Attack will really enjoy this record, and maybe some old Sabbath and Ozzy if you like that kind of stuff. Kind of throwing it. So I guess I guess it's the old rock and and metal fan will. Yeah, you
0: know. I hope so. Yeah, I definitely. I don't know. I want to give something to old rock fans that like I noticed this thing where like I find when I go see bands that bring that vintage vibe that I love so much. Like I have a Zeppelin tattoo on my door is the Zeppelin tapestry. That was my first ever band poster. Like I love this shit. I have like Queen and Rory Gallagher shit all over my room. Like, but when I see the bands who bring that back today, most of them, definitely not all have like either the stylistic stuff or the chops (laughs) of these old bands. Cause everyone's like, Oh, it's all about being stone and groovy and having an expensive vintage amp and having a fucking cool outfit. And it's like, yeah, that is all cool. And that does all help. And your cool fucking tone is actually really transporting. And You got this all down and your songs are good, but like, man, Black Sabbath were wrecking good musicians and like did their homework. They didn't just, learn the Sabbath songs. Like, Oh no, 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 no. Those guys could really fucking play. That made it so much more exciting than like, you see someone set up 16 cabs and four expensive Marshall heads. And it's like, cool. I'm going to be bored as fuck for an hour and a half.
1: (laughs) Well, but what Sabbath also brought to the table were songs. So I think that's overall with these vintage style bands, more mostly rock i would say there's the songs just aren't there for me personally but what i found with this you know obviously this is your first record so i know it's only going to get better from here but even on this first record i was like there's something catchy to it where i just want to keep listening back to it and i find like a lot of vintage old school style bands just don't have that so i don't know what your how, how your formula is different than the rest but it works for me. Not, I guess I'm
0: not even really trying to be vintage and old school. It's just that, like, I'm trying to be honest. And I grew up like with all this vintage, old school music, and it was all unironic Like I was a country kid. We didn't know what was cool and what wasn't. You know, we had FM radio and beat up pickup trucks, and like what we could find from like someone's older brother. But even that, like. That relative isolation, like, it kind of keeps you in the past a little bit. Like, I have a lot of interests in common with people who were like, 10 years older than me often. Because if you lived way out in the friggin' sticks, it just took stuff a lot longer to get out there, especially before the internet. So, I don't know. I'm not like I wasn't consciously trying to be old school. I was just trying to do like, what would I think is cool in this song? Like, Oh, this sweet D purple organ, of course. <laughs> I
1: don't know. And I, and I think that's, what's missing is on the honesty. It when, when it comes to, cause people just kind of want to sound old without having the songs. And I felt like this, you know, it, obviously it's going to grow more from here, but I feel really feel like there's a, a lot of potential to have great songs. and not just sound like an old school band.
0: I have like, I have a lot of tunes written for the second and third albums. Like I have a big old backlog of music for this project, full songs and rips and things. And like some of it's this very, like, you know, if you listen to Avalon and it's like, Oh, is there like a tinge of like, yes in this. And it's like, yeah, I I really like like pretty Prague. So there's some of that, like, very like majestic magical 70s rock you know fantastical lighter zeppelin moments etc but like I don't know there's like weird big heavy like the sabbathy angle I was like you know I never I never wrote like a really massive slow tempo riff so I wrote like a ridiculous one <laughs> and like I was like I'm just gonna take this as far as I can and see what happens and like I tried to write something really modern because I was at a concert and Tear was playing and I was like, wow, back when I went to MI 15 years ago, everyone was really into this band and I watched them and I was like no one in this band seems like they've gotten a new musical idea into their heads in the intervening 15 years since I last checked in on them. They're doing the same fucking stage moves. Like This is so fake and dishonest and dead inside and like look, we all love metal and everyone wants to keep it the same and decide what real metal is. But it's like, you're strangling it. Like you can freeze something in time forever, but that's not a blessing. It's a curse and it'll just rot from the inside. And I had this big shocking moment where I was like, Ugh, heavy metal is like the fucking picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> and then I was like, I should write a song about this. And then I was like, I should push myself to take all the things that I hate about modern bands and try to write a song that uses them. So I took an octave down pedal and tried to write, like, a gent riff because I think that shit's fucking lame. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I'd rather be playing gent than be playing the same fucking riff for 20 years the same way. Like, kill me, dude. <laughs> I don't know.
1: As a musician, I-, I don't know how I could even be in a band like that, to be honest with you. So I was right, a- really in panic i'm just oh, that
0: was like five years <laughs> like imagine if it was 20 years later like you know i guess if there was a stadium full of people cheering me on while i did it it might be more fun but like ugh, still rather not
1: well right, and it
0: about the phase i wanted to make something that can grow and change like i like that the album has weird fucking twists and turns because like you know, it's a little rough around the edges because it was new and we didn't know who the lineup was. But like, listen to Melissa and Don't Break the Oath. Like, it's weird having not heard them for the first time for so long. But when a new song starts, it might be like a two and a half minute headbanger that's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, pretty much. But even then, it's trickier than it sounds. Or it might be a 12 minute song where nothing repeats. And like, I think you can be a cool band with those kinds of twists and turns on a record without being dream theater, you know?
1: Well, without, I would almost, again, I'm going to take a step back here and just say without almost losing the song, you still have this, you still want to have the song. It's my, that's my, my ultimate, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, you know, a lot of like a lot of people don't like Dream theory because of the songs like they just don't yeah. they they just don't click so in my defense
0: in the ni- in their defense in the 90 s they wrote a lot of really good songs oh yeah <laughs> uh,
1: I would say almost um was it kevin Kevin Morris is that who who played on the first three albums the keyboard player the guy? yeah it seems like after yeah, he left love- that's when that's when I lost interest in in dream exactly, theory, like yeah. the first three exactly. records so um, I like his
0: records when everything else less so as time goes forward
1: right right anyway let's let's move ahead real quick too and i want to mention this you know you're um, always have been in a band where like you've done like one record and then either you know left or whatever transpired this will be the first kind of project besides mantic obviously but uh, consecutively hopefully within the next couple years where you have an album and then an album and then an album not just like an album, and then like 10 years later, an album comes out, right? You'll have.
0: That. Wow. Like, I did not quite put that together. <laughs> I've
1: never put out
0: two records with a fan. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, I'm not, and I'm not trying to put you down. It is what it no, is. Not, Everybody oh, has their own path crazy. here. <laughs> I'd be, I maybe I'll have to get you back on with the, the next Faye record and ask you this, but I'd be curious how you would feel doing a consecutive record and you know two consecutive records with the same band back to back
0: especially (laughs) because i know like who the band is now and like when bands do callbacks to earlier stuff and quoted to like tell part of the story i'm like obsessed with that so i want to go wild with it like i I think i would love the next record or like maybe an ep to just start with the singer in the seven part three and it just starts with like the way it ends and i'm like that'd be really fun
1: well, then, then you can yeah. almost put them together, you know, and you have more marketability that way, maybe do a double LP with it or whatever it is you want to do. So
0: I'm just interested in like trying all the weird compositional stuff that I've listened to and read about over the years that like no bands ever want to take the time to do. So I'm like, all right, what if all the albums flowed together musically, that'd be fucking sweet, but it just is kind of a lot of work. So a lot of bands don't want to do it. And like, It's pretentious and lame and dorky. And I'm like, good. You know, oh, man, we can't do that. That'd be so gay. Said literally every band about most of my ideas forever. So I'm like, I'm going to make a band named around fairies now and do all of these things. (laughs) Like, why not? Like, the coolest folklore and, like, this connotation of, like, no, you can't have all the albums flow together. That'd be gay. (laughs) Like. You've been at band practice.
1: <laughs> of course. You know.
0: I feel like that's what people say about any like really over-the-top performance idea and stuff you can do with your show and like I don't know. I love all the bands that do all that shit. <laughs> like cool, weird crowd participation shit and like weird, unique stuff in your show and some kind of over-the-top element. Like I always think that shit's super fun. I remember all the bands that do that stuff.
1: Well, again, what you're g- heark- hearkening back to is honesty here. Got to be honest as a musician. Yeah, so,
0: yeah.
1: Um, let's move ahead real quick if you don't mind, because obviously we got a, a another kind of release to to promote here. And I'm just going to go ahead and show it. So, right walk me through the whole process of just getting back together with Dan and Ben and and possibly Adam. I don't know. I heard rumblings with that. So, if you can. Help me just tell that story of how Mantic actually came to be in 2021.
0: Yeah, I guess it was 2021. Might have been 2020 that it started. I drove across the country just to visit home during the pandemic. I didn't want to fly. It was when things were like fucking crazy. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do a solo road trip from Washington to Pennsylvania. And I did, and it was sweet. I'd never driven that Northern route before. So I got to cross off almost all the states. And I was like, I'll get there. I'll like hang out by myself for five days, take a test or just do like outdoor hangs and whatever. Cause it was summertime, it was awesome. So I went saw my parents, you know, kicked it in Pittsburgh for a couple days. Like got sick of my hometown, went to Pittsburgh and hit up Dan Wetmore randomly. It was like, I haven't seen you in years. We should have a beer. It's like, okay. So I went over. And we got chatting and at some point, you know, it became like, oh, band stuff and, you know, nostalgia talk. And I was like, dude, I got to tell you, when I go to shows in L.A., like good shows, like King Diamond's coming to town or that Halloween reunion thing, I'll get stopped like three or four times by kids that were not like our friends. And they'll be like, yo, Mantic Ritual, what's up? you guys were the coolest thrash band, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I didn't have a beard back then. <laughs> it has been over 10 years. I'm not the front man of this band. And I'm just like, FYI, Dan, this is happening. And he's I'm like, so, you know, we've done good out there. We We worked hard and it was cool and wrote some good tunes. And he's like, oh yeah, once in a while, I like go on YouTube every like once a year, I'll go see if there's any new comments and, People were still commenting, man, they like it. I'm like, yeah, I, I teach now and I some kids and we're on a bunch of time endless shit, man. That's fun. He goes, well, you know, I'm talking to Ben a lot again. We should make a new record. <laughs> and I was like, like, I had always thought that would be a cool idea. Ben and Dan had kind of just moved on to other things, I think, and, but both of them were, like, playing again. And, yeah, we just shot a couple texts around. Dan was like, yeah, I recorded a bunch of riffs over the years. I just have, like, some crappy wave files of, like, ideas. And he sent us a folder, and we were like, well, oh, we'll check it out. Maybe Dan can still play. I mean, he hasn't, like, been to a concert since he quit Mantic Ritual. This isn't what Dan does. Dan has this musical outlet and like he has his own music where he plays everything. And it's kind of this like beach boys indie stuff. Really cool. But he sent us this folder of riffs and we were like, this shit's dope. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. I, I hope someday we can just publish a lot of these raw ideas. Cause man, his approach to riffs is always so unique. The way he puts them together into songs is always like so simple and effective. Um, so, yeah, he just showed us this photo of riffs, and we're like, let's get to work. We did. We talked to Adam, and Adam was like, I haven't touched a drum kit in 10 years. You guys have fun. Like, you have my blessing. I can't wait to hear it. It's going to be sweet. But, like, I feel like I'll, like, hold you guys back. I'm, he's, also, he's doing other stuff with
1: his life now. So, so obviously, Carlos comes into the fold here, right? Yeah. Obviously, you guys know uh-huh. each other. <laughs> Yeah, Carlos,
0: I mean, Carlos was instrumental in, like, meltdown getting into the L.A. scene, dude. Me and Ben ran into him on the street. He was our first fucking contact when we moved to L.A. We just ran into him on the street, and he was like, you want to get in on a show with the whiskey around Halloween? And we're like, yeah, like, we filmed that show and got signed a Nuclear Blast. So, like, Carlos told me for a long time, and then he gave us his demo, and, like, we had been given a lot of real bad thrash demos in the MySpace days. So we're like, okay, some LA high school kids demo. We're going to drink beer and make fun of this later. Because <laughs> we were like fucking god-awful 22-year-old assholes. <laughs> so we went to our friend's house and put it on, and it was the Hexen demo. And we were just like, what? <laughs> like, Who the that, This kid was that drummer? What? He was like 16, 17. Blown away. So yeah, I've been bros with Carlos ever since.
1: So walk me through recording, get, just getting in the same room with all of you guys and either bouncing ideas back and forth or record, you know, recording songs just for the first time. What was that atmosphere and how was it different than what it was like during the, I guess the executioner record days?
0: Um, 100% different executioner record days. We were, like, living together. We moved to L.A. together. We, you know, we were, like, Dan and Adam had a place. Me and Ben had a place. But we had spent, like, all our weekends together for years playing every single bar. Like, we had played those songs to death everywhere. And we were just young. And this was all we were doing with our lives. And we were just grinding 24-fucking-7 on it, <laughs> like, putting our whole lives into it, going to Germany and blah, blah, blah. Recording this, we were all sitting in our fucking houses in opposite parts of the country. <laughs> yeah, we did it all remotely. We have zero budget. And I w- it was like, how are we gonna write some songs? And I'm like, I've done a bunch of remote projects. It'll be fine. So Dan sends me riffs and he tells me what tempo they are or if there's tempo changes, like where they're at. I drop them into a logic session. We get on a Zoom meeting. I share my screen and my audio. And Dan goes, all right, I'm thinking like straight thrash beat at this part. Switch to the ride here. Snare goes to the downbeat here. Maybe we can add some double kick, but it has to be something interesting. Not just straight. Like, I don't know. I'm feeling this part a little more groovy. Can you do something? And like, we just iron out the super basics, and then we'll just put markers in of like crazy drums here, whatever here, blah, blah, blah. We get off our meeting the next night. I take a couple hours and go through fine-tuned drum parts. I send that to Dan. I send it to everyone. We all listen for a couple days. Anyone gives me any notes, I do that. Boom. Pre-production track done. Send it to Ben and Carlos. They record it in LA. Dan adds guitar. I add guitar. Dan adds vocals.
1: Oh, so you literally, I mean, don't add... heck of a lot to to mantic just in terms of songwriting
0: yeah this time around executioner was all dan and adam now it's dan and me which is cool i never got to like be a creative force in mantic really last time i had like two inputs on executioner which i'm proud to say are the black tar sin yeah, that and uh, the middle of By the Cemetery, where we take the two main riffs and just do them through all kinds of different keys while Dan Solo's over it. Obviously a Jeff idea. <laughs> That's literally my only... Cre- and that and, like, Jeff, play something super fast at this part. <laughs> like That was my whole creative input to that. So now and I'm how- trying to co-write with Dan. Like, he does the writing, but I end up giving him a lot of input and a lot of, like, you know... Hey, 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 I'm hearing something here. And like, he likes the way I write drums, so it works. Um, awesome. First thing this Crusader. Have you noticed that in Crusader, when the main riff first comes in and whenever it kicks in after that little break for the rest of the song, one is in a different place in the riff, like the beat falls in a different place? It's because. Dan sent me the riffs and I w- he was like, you know, just straight up like highway rock beat. I'm like, okay, I'll just do this before we even meet up. And I programmed drums to the whole song, hearing the beat in a different place than Dan did. <laughs> like when I heard the riff, I just like heard one in a different spot. So I programmed the whole song and I'm like, hey, why are you adding a beat at the beginning of the chorus and dropping a beat at the end of it? Like, it's cool, but it's fucking crazy. And he's just like, I'm not doing that then he listened to it and he's like, no, that's not how, the no, one is on this note of the riff. So we decided to keep it my way for the intro because it would just be a weird, like flip.
1: Interesting. So okay. you, how, how have you found your lane in terms of working with Dan? I mean, would it be the same as if you had, you know, first started when, when you were, if, if, and when you were writing with Dan in 2010 era
0: no, cuz I was I was pretty clueless to a lot of this kind of music when mantic Ritual was writing back in the day. Even earlier like, you know, that album we recorded the original version of it in like 2006 or something. I don't know. It was right before we moved to LA. And you know, we had managed to scrape together the t-shirt sale money to get it mixed, so that must have taken a couple of months. So, <laughs> I don't know back then i didn't know any of these old school bands like i knew some of them but i just hadn't listened to the same stuff these guys had i just grew up in a totally different like i get into metal in all the wrong order so i just didn't have the taste of it all yet like i got into classic rock then i got into like modern prog and power metal and learned to like do all these crazy shred things and i still hadn't like listened to like peace cells <laughs> so like
1: you know So let me ask you this from a musician's point of view, right? Where are you at from a musician's point of of growth? Meaning what have you learned that, that I guess the most, and maybe in terms of, of songwriting or playing that has kind of benefited you, you the most today sitting here talking with me.
0: I don't know, man. Like, I'm a music geek. That's, like, my role in all the projects is, like, I'm the dude who likes theory and likes production and likes, you know, I like the details of it. I think they make it what it is, you know. You can hear, and, like, the details, this doesn't have to be talking about Bach and Shostakovich. I love that shit. I go see it live all the time. But, like, the details can also be, like, look, if it's just fucking eighth notes on the low E string, I can tell when it's Melee from Creator. (laughs) <laughs> like that's a cool like i don't know i get a lot of fascination out of this stuff so there's tons of shit to pay attention to but learning to listen like to stop and listen is really important like i guess learning to break out of your genres conventions because you get so in these lanes of like well this is how you pick and this is how this kind of riff goes and This is where you do the chokes, and then the beat kicks in, and, like, you get so locked into these ways of looking at your instrument and everything, so, like, I guess the main thing is, like, get out of your comfort zone. Like, I went to go see the Doors guitar player play live. I don't like the Doors. I've never liked the Doors. And I left being like, that was one of the best fucking concerts I've ever seen. That was a guitar master class. Everyone should go. This guy had... A fender combo and overdrive a wah and a delay and an sg and he conjured like a thousand different sounds out of the instrument that i was like man i have just been doing the same shit with different notes for the last 10 years <laughs> so like you're not so i don't know all the people that we really love in all of these genres got there cuz they they broke some kind of convention so like i just wish everyone would stop Doing things so fucking correctly. It's so weird. Has- there's a balance to it, though, because there's also like, do your fucking homework. Learn solfege. Like, I remember a Steve Vai interview. I was like 16 and I read Steve Vai, what info, what advice would you give to young musicians? And he said, take a solfege class. You know what solfege is?
1: I don't. Sounds
0: mm-hmm. like a cheese. This. I was like, all right, that's stupid. Shut up, Steve Vai. That's not how you got good at music. And then I went to music school, and they make you learn that shit. And for two years of your life, it's a second language that you speak all the fucking time. And you know what? Yeah, absolutely. You just learn to hear everything. You learn to listen. Um, so, yeah. Get out of your that- stupid genre. Stop listening to heavy metal, or your metal will get boring. <laughs> like your metal's only as interesting as all the other shit you listen to because that's what you bring to the table. Every one of the metal show has heard that fucking Megadeth record. <laughs> so like, it's okay. We all know it. We know you're bringing it like, yeah, you're going to be down picking some shit. Cool. Get past it and find something else to make it interesting.
1: Do you think that could benefit everybody's aspect of life in general? Sure. Not just for music, yeah, I mean, but I, getting
0: your comfort zone, I guess it's pretty general advice for life.
1: Well, not even that, but, you know, learning to listen just in any art form is, is crucial, whether it be a painter yeah, or, or, a, or a podcaster or a radio guy or a musician, songwriter, I don't know any, any art form. I think that would be hugely beneficial to that, you know, and in, in becoming better at your own craft for sure because you're only bettering yourself when it comes to these things right you're not we don't play music and we we love all you guys we don't play music for you we play music for us you know we do our art for us so i think that would be beneficial not only to our you know to to you guys but to ourselves mainly so you know if we better ourselves we better the music that we put out there or art in general
0: and also like you're not limited to music when you want to break out like check out other art i used to hang out with this guy who always brought up this interview he read with the slayer guys where they asked them their influences and they were saying like contact sports and war movies and he was like that's so dumb it's not even music and i was like that's why their music was interesting and different because they were taking influence from somewhere else and like go to an art museum Find a favorite painter and follow their career. I don't know. Find a cool author that really fascinates you. And then it takes a couple reads until you actually really start to get what's going on. I'm like, I don't know. Find something else to get inspired by.
1: You know what was really inspiring for me? And I know it's going on a tangent here, but mm-hmm. it pertains to what you're saying. What really has benefited me most was getting to work with Tony Cole because he's so prolific at what he does. And obviously, you know, I've worked with him countless times, but watching how he works has inspired how I work as well, how I work with people, how I work with, you know, my on my craft. I mean, building relationships, it's all crucial that you can learn from right. even just watching a- another artist do what they do yeah
0: it's exactly you can learn these things from anywhere these principles carry across everything um you know anyone who studies anything knows that these basic principles carry across everything i mean that's what's happening in physics is like we're all going towards one theory We thought electricity and magnetism were two different things they're not you see like these movements go across all of art at one time in one decade so like yeah you can get these lessons from anywhere i used to always think of it as when I was a teenager, I was a total nerd for this anime called Ranma One Half. And Ranma was taught by his dad, the school of anything goes martial arts, in which everything is martial arts and everything is a training exercise. And they used it to make it like it was like a parody of anime. So every week, the different type of martial artists showed up and they were like super fucking ridiculous. It was like martial arts pizza making. And he had to learn how to defeat the guy at that. And that was like the weekly episode. But this idea stuck with me as like, I was a 16 year old and I was learning music and I wanted to be this like super dude who knew all the music stuff and can shred faster than anyone. And it was like, everything is a training exercise. Your friend is walking next to you. Try to walk a polyrhythm to it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Listen to the way different raindrops are hitting and think about how you would notate that. Like, I don't know. Try to I- hear it
1: everything are you a vi- you seem like you're kind of a visual learner as as well like one of my my absolute favorite moment just from touring was literally looking at the stars at night in the desert like that was the most inspiring thing for me not playing these shows in front of people which I, it's you know it's fun and all but like yeah. knowing how small we are in the grand yeah. scheme of things exactly. just looking up you know mm-hmm. that, that's very inspiring for me because it's like you know what it, it's made putting me it's making more me more humble, and with that obviously you grow as people, and with that your craft grows right it's all about growing, not right. being afraid to grow
0: and yeah, I think humbling is a great way to grow your craft because it gets a lot of the bullshit out of your way, like I don't know I've been pretty humbled by the world of music over the years, and I think it's made my music better for a while I got to be like the cool dude in the band that made it out of my scene. And it was really fun. And I was like, ah, now it's like I haven't been on a stage since before the pandemic. Well, fucking nobody, dude. (laughs) So it's like, wow, I guess it was always just about playing music in the first place. Let's just go do that with no guesses as to what it wants to be or whatever.
1: But going off of this point, I think none of us are anybody. Because, let me, yeah, and here's where I'm going with this, <laughs> because even the most famous people, you know, get washed away in time. Totally.
0: I mean, God, you know, I lived in LA for 10 years. I ran into plenty of them.
1: Well, but I'm, I mean, I'm saying, you know, even like, and, and I love them to death. Like, mean,
0: like, existentially.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, but but I'm talking even like Michael Jackson's and, and Elvis's. like even people of our time that are literally the most famous people of our time will get right. washed away in the next thousand years. Would yeah. you say?
0: I mean, we're so, living in this digital age where they won't have the codex to decode all the data. We're sticking on these magnets right now. So like we're in a dark age right now, it'll disappear. Um <laughs> Like That's you know. just not going to be a thing. We can't read a lot of shit from the 80s. We just don't have the equipment to do it. So it's like, shit, 500 years from now, everything we're saving and archiving right now, kiss a goodbye. So yeah, I love that, though. Like, I love the the Sagan Cosmos episode where he talks about the Library of Alexandria, and he talks about how, like, look, Aristotle wrote 12 plays. We have two of them. This is like saying... William Shakespeare had these plays called As You Like It and Henry V. We heard he had some really popular ones in his time called Hamlet. And it's just like, wow, this is kind of what we're doing right now. So it does all disappear. And that's like kind of comforting to me. If I play a show that sucks, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if my gear fails on me. If I sing horribly because I've never sang in front of people before, and I'm about to do like eight days in a row
1: who the fuck cares Well, going off of your point, you know, if you don't want things to disappear, obviously physical media is, is the best when it comes to, and it's a terrible segue. My, uh, non-apologies for this, but you know, with the, the Faye and Mantic Rich show, where can people support you in terms of purchasing the records and and having something tangible? That's not going to disappear in the digital age as of, as of yet. So nice. Um, Yeah. Well done.
0: Uh, <laughs> Bandcamp, I think. I think Mantic Rituals. There's like two of them for some reason. When we started working with Barbieri, he made his own because the music industry sucks, and so does everyone in it. Um, ManticRitual.bandcamp.com and/or Thrash.Bandcamp.com and the Fay is just the fade.bandcamp. If you just do the fade.net, there's a link tree has all the stuff it's kind of fun there's like the making of videos i don't know if you saw those
1: yeah i was doing some research today and i was was enjo- thoroughly enjoying that that's like some of my favorite parts when it comes to just records in general i like seeing how they're made yeah you know yeah. There, there's an art form to to even creating the records and you know even how a compact disc is made i think that's a total art form to, to have right. that. so But yeah, uh, who helped me with all
0: the layouts? Uh, my buddy Cody helped me do like modify the layout for cassette and everything because I don't know if you're aware of vinyl right now being all jacked up by the supply chain. I okayed the Faye test pressings in February. Do you know when I'm gonna get them
1: next February?
0: (laughs) Yep, February. So, (laughs) but we make cassettes in the meantime and you improvise, you know, hopefully, uh. evil times the vinyl won't be available for at least 800 years so (laughs) Jeff, i
1: want want to thank you so much again for giving me a couple minutes of your time here always generally appreciate you and 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 everything that you bring to the table in terms of art and music in general and like i said i hope you're doing well man thanks so much as well thanks bro see you next time for, for another episode of popper's corner we're out of here guys cheers